Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. It's snowing here in Detroit. Spencer Israel here with Joel Conan and Dennis Dick. A jam-packed show today. A lot of earnings, but that's not as important as these China headlines. China is back on the menu, everyone. Uh, that'll be the lead story of today's show, plus the earnings, plus our our guest today. Very interesting. David Trainer is his name. He's the founder and CEO of New Constructs. He's done a lot of research about the accuracy of earnings reports, uh, adjusted versus non-adjusted numbers, and what we should be really paying attention to when we look at corporate earnings. So that'll be at 8.35. Very excited to talk with David. In the meantime, we got a lot to get to. Before I throw it to Joel, I got this message from the man up high this morning. No, not God, Jason Rasnick and our boss. And he said that the, he told me to, tell, to say this on the show. The first two people to go to uh, fintechawards.com and use the promo code RAZVIP, like R-A-Z-V-I-P, for the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards, the first two people to enter RAZVIP as a promo code will get free tickets to the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards. That's November 19th in New York City. So fintechawards.com, promo code RAZVIP. The first two people, I'm told, will get free tickets to the event. And it's a fintech event, but as I've been mentioning, Joel, Dennis, and myself will be there all day. We're doing the show from there. We're going to be doing some educational stuff. So check it out, Fintech Awards. Com. Now, Joel, what's happening here overnight? I see that we are up, apparently. New all-time highs here, Spencer. Uh, we had a double close yesterday from Monday and Wednesday at 75.75 and 75.5. China News took us to 92.50, folks. That's your target on the upside. I have absolutely no numbers up there. Maybe see 3,100 today. That's only 13 handles away. Crude doing the battle with 57 again, up 76 cents at 57.11. Gold in the red by seven bucks at 14.86.10. Silver down 1.8 cents at 17.58. Bitcoin trying to hold on to 9,000. Bitcoin down $155. 9,205. Let's bring in Triple D. How you doing this morning? Uh, I'm, a little, I'm a little bit tired. Why? Because I went to a concert last night. Who'd you see? Uh, it was called Stars and, and Stripes. And it was a benefit at the Fox Theater uh, for, you know, honoring our veterans, raising money for veterans. Saw Keith Urban, John Party, Mara wow. Morris, Kelsey Ballerini, Ballerini, and Brett Young. 
It was one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to, acoustically perfect, but I almost didn't get to see the end of it. Why? Lisa and I almost got kicked out. Come on. Why? You're getting kicked out. Why do you keep getting kicked out of places? What did you do? Did you BYOB? No. No. What did you do? Uh, We were standing. What do you mean standing? That's what you do at a concert. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do at a concert. So we were standing up, singing and dancing with our friends, having a great time. And the and regular no standing? Us, the people behind us wanted to sit down. So and how so, do you almost get kicked out for standing? Like the ushers came over and said, oh, the people behind you want to sit down. So you need to sit down? Yes. Yes. Really? And you two said, ushers. no, I'm having too much fun. I'm not sitting down. Well, two ushers and we didn't sit down. And then uh, they brought like a higher. Joel doesn't up. like listening to authority. <laughs> they, they they brought a um they brought like a high a guy with a tie and a suit coat. Uh, and he and, was ready uh, to take you out back. And he said, "We really tune you need, up. We really need you to sit down." We were like four rows from the stage. I mean, who who doesn't stand up at a concert? But anyways. Wow, you get yourself into trouble. I was Not with me. Lisa. I don't get in any trouble. It, no, I was with Lisa, so you can blame her too. <laughs> this is all Lisa's fault. We'll blame Lisa. Yeah. No. It right, was well, it fun. sounds like fun. I saw Keith Urban about four or five years ago. I'm not a huge country fan, but I tell you, he puts on a great show. He can great jam. show. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But uh, anyways, let's get to China. China. China that's deal this, done. That's how it goes. No, deal is not done, but we're, I guess we're getting there. Uh, apparently, and I say apparently because I don't believe anything unless it's actually signed with these two, but apparently we have agreed – uh, to remove tariffs on each other in stages uh, once we sign that, that phase one deal, whenever that happens, whether it's not going to be in Chile now, so maybe, it, maybe it'll get signed in one, but we'll, we'll sign the phase one deal, and then we'll begin removing tariffs on each other. Are we going to like hear a China headline now once a week for the next like year, just because we'll do it all in phases, so that'll give us a pop, and that'll give us a pop. Heck, we could be up another 1,000. There are a couple thousand Dow points just on these little incremental pops, yeah. Joel, from China headlines. Hey, hey, Dennis, Roger Milley says you got kicked out of a dollar store. Yeah, uh, Value Village, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm allowed back either. My buddy sent my pictures on the wall. I mean, when there's no resistance, there's no resistance. I mean, what, what can I tell you? I the mean, market's at all-time highs, and it's hard to fight this tape. We've been talking about this. You know, we get a little pullback the last, yesterday. You know what I did yesterday? You bought more SPY. I didn't buy SPY, and I was saying I'm going to index more, but I didn't. I bought some Workday just because I have no Momo in my portfolio, hardly, hardly any. And I was like, it's been beat up a lot. I bought a little piece of Workday. And then I also bought, um, what was the other one? I bought uh, I, I bought our buddy's pick, um, Mark Shaken. Take a guess. He was pumping it. Uh, A-A-O-I? Close. Akamai. That, that's what, yeah, okay. That's I, what you were thinking I, I knew of. it was one of those two. Akamai. I bought Akamai. So I bought two stocks yesterday. Long-term portfolio, retirement account. And you know why I bought Workday? So I bought just two guests on the show. Yesterday on the 9 o'clock hour, who, was, who said something about Workday? Sean. Sean. Yeah, and he said, if you've got, you know, time on your side, you know, something like Workday, you know it's going to, you know, these are going to be, you know, in the, the companies that are going to grow over the long term. But he's like, I don't have five years. And I was like, I looked at my retirement account. I was like, I don't have five years. I have like 15 years. So I was like, I'll throw a little bit of Workday just for Sean. 
So I threw a little piece of Workday in and I put a pretty good chunk of Akamai in because Akamai has a reasonable valuation too. And that was a Merck shaken pick. So we'll see how they do. Keep adding right. stocks as long-term portfolio. Every time we dip, we dip a little bit, add stocks. Did you do a half a position? Because if you do, I'm just going to get you. No, short. Akamai is full size. Workday, oh, okay. workday just eh, a little bit lighter on Workday because okay. it's Momo. So I figured, you know, you got to consider the betas and stuff. So didn't right. go crazy on Workday. I mean, and sometimes I go oversized, you know, like on a Merck. If I feel like it's a really safe company, I'm going to go oversized too. But, and, you know, this is the long-term investing. So taking out the investing hat now, Putting on the trading hat, <clears throat> China. I mean, we're up here again. All your Chinese stocks are trading significantly higher. And not only that, we had two good reports out of China as well. Baidu trading up 7.5% on their report. And then you had also IQ reporting last night. It's trading up 6.8% on its report. So a couple major Chinese stocks, at least a couple that are, are followed closely here, reporting. And then if you look over at the EEM or the FXI, both trading up significantly because of the China talks. All right, let's get to uh, we get you're getting some love here, or we're getting some love here uh, with Roku. I'm getting uh, hate on both of my Akamai work there. They both two people in chat both told me they were shorts. Yep. I could be wrong, but I have time on my side. And actually, I don't feel like if I lose money on this, it's Sean's fault and it's Mark's fault. <laughs> there you go. So I'm all good. I can't lose. I can blame somebody else if I don't make money on those. <laughs> okay, right, let's get Roku. this Roku yeah. numbers here. Uh, they were good and as expected, or at least I guess as we expected, uh, doesn't matter. So Q3 EPS for Roku, 22 cent loss versus a 28 cent loss estimate. So a beat on that number of sales, 260 versus 256 million. So a beat there as well. Q4 sales guidance in line, full year sales guidance in line, uh, active accounts, 32.3 million, up 79% on a year over year basis. All good headlines. And what is the stock doing? The only reason it's down is the same reason we've been talking about it. They don't want the high flyers, even despite me putting a workday, which is a high flyer in my portfolio. Um, they are just not in favor here right now. And they've got to really blow it away to go higher. It, it was a good report. It wasn't a great report. And that's why it's down 20 bucks. So you, can, you can't be just good when you're one of these momos. You've got to blow it out of the water. They did not blow it out of the water. Stock's down 20. I'd like to say, you know, it could bounce right back, but now you've traded for a lot of hours down. It has. So it's not like it's just all of a sudden fallen here and it can just bounce. I mean, you've already been trading down here in almost the entire after-hour session, and obviously for four hours this morning as well. Already traded 468,000 shares this morning down here in the 120 area. We're kind of just settling in. So I can't just say I think this is going to bounce back. And obviously I thought it was going to sell off. Wish I would have... Uh, been playing it from the short side but you know a few people in our chat did so good job to everybody who shorted roku 120 bucks i don't know what to say what are you doing here uh so what you had a 55 point rally there you go yeah man but you already threw the 50 through the 50 percent yeah it's through the 50 percent you know when i looked at the match chart yesterday i kind of thought it had a chance to rally you know because it made that spike down low so i'll just use the pre-market low pre-market low comes in at 117.55 what do we have in here wait it there was such a oh 117.80 i see that as a daily low and not october 14th so if you absolutely have to try and pick a bottom Try to 117.80 and then try to get at 115.28. And then third attempt will always work at 110.69. <laughs> 100 bucks is solid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Point, it's not good. Lower. No. 
We'll see what happens at the pre-market low. I think another good setup would be, you know, let's say they tag it off the open, they take it down to that pre-market low, and then they bump it back above it. I mean, one possible scenario here. I don't know what the straddle was going for. I don't know what the puts were going for. I feel like for. it was a big move expected. I think the expected move was, and 20. I'm just going from my memory, but I thought it was, I, th I thought it was 14%. It was huge. Uh, Spinner right says again. 20. Spinner says 20. 20 points, 14%. I believe it was 20 points or 14%. Am I and correct? Look at that. I don't think it was 20%. I think it was 20 points. Yes. Yes. No. So 20 points. So, I mean, look at this. It's amazing. You know, this is why, again, we're just going to say, if you want to lose money, keep buying options. Because you can buy. Here you are. You know, the expected move. Obviously, if you just bought the puts, you're okay. But let's say you said, oh, it's going to be a, you know, these options, these market makers are good. They figure out what the expected moves are going to be, and they, they've got it. And it's not only that. It's a natural trading that kind of brings it in there, too. But down 21, expected move was 20. It's right on the expected move. Yeah, unbelievable vote. And, uh, you know, I always ask this, but I don't have Roku. Dennis, do you have – or do I have it and not know it? I, I don't think you have I it. I wonder if I have it and I don't know it. No, I think you would know if you have it because it I says – I think it pops up and says Roku. Yeah, you would know if you have it. I have a smart TV. I don't think I need Roku. No, so, a question. If I are coming out with smart TVs and this stuff's all built into it, what do we need Roku for? I watch my Netflix on my smart TV. I don't use Roku. Well, you don't even know what, what kind of TV you have. So, But they're all starting to be smart TVs. I mean, let's look into the future here. So, yeah, if you have a legacy, a TV that's five years old or three years old, it's probably not a smart TV and you probably need something like a Roku. You go out and buy a new TV. They're all smart TVs. They're all going to have this built in, this technology, so you can watch your Netflix or your Apple right on, you know, your, your smart TV. So what, how's the point to owning Roku? I mean, this is technology that helps, you know, for older TVs. Do you need this? Is there a benefit? I'm asking the people with a smart TV and not have a Roku. Is there a benefit to having a Roku on a smart TV? I don't know. I'm asking anyone who knows. There, the there's more. There's Twitter, more. Let me know. There's more, like Roku gives you a little bit more options as far as stuff to watch. You have Roku? I, yes, I just said that. Okay, how so much is it? do you have a smart TV? I don't know how much it is, Joel, sorry. <laughs> do you actually, have a smart TV? Not, not actually mine. Uh, we have the, yes, it, it, it's hard to say because it wasn't mine, it was my, it was my girlfriend's, but it's so Atari's, I guess, but whatever. I anyway, I, I'm just saying I have no need for a Roku because I have a smart TV. So I think there's a lot of other people out there that could be the same thing. It's got a nosebleed valuation. Uh, I think the all-time high is in. I think the 176 that we touched, and easy to say now, 50 points off, yeah. but I'm saying I, th I don't think we're ever going back there. I think this is a story that is still could get hot, and we said it. You know, I got bullish back when it got to $100 and started to look like a good setup. I think you had to take the opportunity to sell the head of the earnings. If you didn't do that, well, you know, you weren't listening to the show because we were basically banging the drum to get rid of this before the earnings report. And it's down 22 points here now. I don't think it's coming back. Maybe it does. Maybe the story gets hot again. It's not a completely broken story. And obviously, the you know the streaming we know is going. But if you, I just don't know long term if it's needed. If everybody's got their smart TVs. I, I don't even watch that much TV. So I mean, I don't even know. I mean, besides sporting events and then a well, year, that's could, that's the know. one benefit to not cutting the cord is if you watch a lot of sports. I mean, that's the yeah. only reason that I don't cut the cord is that I want to watch the sports and the Twitter stream just isn't good enough yet. You know, you can stream these sports, but it's not quite as good. So if you're a big sports fan, I don't think you cut the cord yet, but eventually they're going to figure that out too. So eventually it's going to be a lot of cord cutting going on. 
Uh, Dennis, just going back to yesterday's show, uh, someone's very patiently asking for that relationship site, and I don't know if you ever gave it, but Tony Darlington uh, wants to post a stock relationship website discussed yeah. yesterday. Oh, he wants me to post one. Yeah, what it, do you remember what, what it was? I mean, just Google like uh, risk arb current deals or risk arbitrage current deals. We'll just do that right now. Current deals or current spreads, and we should be able to find something. Um, okay, here's a good one. The risk arbitrage report. That's what you said. Yep. Did I say that already? Yeah, it's you got said all the deals that are currently on there. And it's even got the spreads. There you go. Risk arbitrage report. So Google okay. the risk arbitrage report. I don't know who runs this, but they do a pretty good job. We're going to get the Benzinga Pro guys in the background hitting this. We want to see, I want to see a risk arb page put into Benzinga Pro. This is a good idea. It's where you got all the current deals that are in there. Listen up, pro guys. Got all the deals that are currently in there, the current spreads, and what the ratios are. So I want to see all the, you know, the newer deals too. Like, I mean, we've had, you know, we get a deal. Obviously, we get lots of deals, but I mean, there's a ton of them. If you go to that risk arbitrage report, I'm just looking through right now on that page that I just uh, mentioned. And it looks, you know, there, there's. We have this, just so you pages. know. Pages. We already have it? Have well, why it. am I sending people elsewhere? What is it? <laughs> I, all right. Search so, quick. I so, thought he was going to. How do I do it? I, I, I'll, I'll tell you how to find it. If you go. Well, show the, us in the pro. Show us. All right. I, I will show you how to find it. Even better. Right, show right. me. Show me. All right. I will bring up Picture's my. worth a thousand words. Bring up my Benzinga Pro right now. Okay. Bring it up. Show me how to find all Here this. Here it is. And we'll close out my chat. So let's I'm requesting it. something that's already been in, put in there. Yeah. They're ahead of me. Okay. They read my mind. All right. I'm, I'm going to go to. Bird's quick, man. Bird's quick. I'm going to go to the calendar widget. Uh huh. I'm going to change my calendar. I'm doing it with you. Calendar widget to what? Earnings is the default. You want to go mergers and acquisitions. Calendars, mergers and acquisitions. Bada bing, bada boom. There we go. Okay. So we're looking here. Oh, they've and already created all of this. You guys are all excellent. in there. All in there. The, all right. the acquirer, the acquiree. Does it have the ratio? Currency, the size. It does no, not. Have I don't pay. see that ratio. It doesn't okay. have the ratio. That add another column. Now we can add, add the ratio, please. All right. So that's what we need. So we need. So this is excellent. And actually, that risk arbitrage report looks like almost the same page. I wonder if they get their data from Benzinga Pro. They might. <laughs> they, might. They, they very well might. <laughs> they very well might. Benzinga Pro data is everywhere. Um, so just add the ratio on the cash and stock deals. So, and, and add the price for the cash takeout too. Like, let's see Fitbit in there. Um, obviously, you know, it's a cash takeout price. Um, you know, but let, let's actually see those prices. But, you know, you can see like a recent one, FHNIBKC. I've got that written down on my sheet, a little sheet of paper here. I know the ratio is 4.584. So I gave you your first one. I did part of your homework for you. 4.584. What does that mean? It means that I beat one share of IBKC it's going to trade with 4.584 shares of FHN. So if you're trading FHN or you're trading at IBKC, it's important to know those relationships because obviously those two stocks will trade off each other in those ratios. Now there's always a little bit, you know, the risk guards put a little bit of a discount in there in case the deal doesn't go through, but typically those ratios hold on any given day. All right, let's Next go. Next question. Uh, let's go to this other stock here. Uh, reporting yesterday, we weren't sure about it on the show Square because it's it's gotten hit so hard. The market wasn't sure about it either. I'll tell you that much. Check out the whipsaw action. This one. Give us the numbers. Yeah, and they were good. Uh, so the Q3 just EPS twenty five cents versus a twenty cent estimate. Uh, sales was one point two six billion dollars up from 882 million a year ago the q4 sales guidance was like a smidge light 
uh, and their full year adjusted sales guidance was in mind. Uh, one thing I'll add here uh, is from Square Cash, right, which is essentially Square's answer to Venmo. Uh, Square Cash total net revenue three hundred and seven million dollars. Guess how much of that came from Bitcoin? Because remember, you, you can trade Bitcoin. On... Probably nothing. No, not true. Actually, uh, one hundred forty-eight oh. million dollars in revenue from it's Bitcoin. a Bitcoin play again. Bitcoin. I had to set up in my squeaky chair here. I have this yeah. really crappy chair now. So stock <clears throat> was all over the place on this report. Please show us the chart after hours because this was whipsaw action. It rallied. Right off the headline, over $64. And then they sold it off to under 58 and a half. Then they bought it all the way back up. And eventually when the dust settles, it's trading up a buck. But the whipsaw action had a tidy little six-point range on it in the first basically you know, 10 minutes after the report. So it was really chopping up. I looked at it. I didn't know what to do with it. I played it once from the short side. and played it once just on the day trading, you know, just like scalping in and out of it. I got 80 cents on it, which I was pretty happy with. But um, it was really chopping around. So... I don't know. Um, going forward here, I still have it in the long-term retirement account simply because I believe they're going to grow into this valuation. I mean, even if you annualize it now, like let's think about this, you know, and just do, they're made 25 cents. So what, what is their estimates to make for the year? They're making a buck? <clears throat> this thing's growing like crazy. Are they making a dollar? Uh, let me see. I don't know if they gave earnings estimates. For the year? For the year. I mean, it's reasonable to say that this company could possibly make a dollar. And I think, you know, then you're trading with a P is 60. So that's still nosebleed. But it's growing so quickly that when you look at this two years out, I saw estimates that were saying this thing can make like a buck 75. Now you're trading with a P of 35 on a stock that's growing still like crazy. That's why the valuation is actually, this is Garp all the way, in my opinion, growth at a reasonable price. So obviously, I love Google. I've always said that's an Apple. Those are both growth at a reasonable price. But Square, I think is too. I think you can fall and throw it into the GARP category. I think it's this, growth at a reasonable price. This is the only stock that everyone I know is bullish. Spencer's bullish. You're bullish. Well, I think a lot of people are bearish. Sean, Sean Udall's bullish. Sean said it could go to fifty. He said he, he likes it here, but he was hoping it would go lower. So I'm, Jeremy likes it. Everyone likes it. Everyone likes this stock. Maybe that's but, why I got sold. <laughs> uh, Sean, Sean Emery Sean Emery he's been Sean Emery is like the, he's one of the main reasons I'm in this we love Sean huge, Emery huge square ball <laughs> and, and Sean does some excellent research we've had Sean on the show a few times we should get, get him, him back I know you listen Sean you do excellent research um, and you know I, I saw you know what your tweets yesterday about the square report it makes me feel more confident in my position he is a huge square ball I believe Sean Emery does some great research as well so that's why I'm still comfortable with my square position although um, I did sell a little piece of it. Remember when it popped up? So I got a little uncomfortable. I, I had a normal size position. It's just a slightly undersized position now. It's just hanging out here. Uh, really a consolidation uh, since oh, the big drop in August. Hasn't been able to get off the mat. Uh, just looking at the last couple months, that this is called 65. It's almost one of those stocks that you would rather buy at 65 and a quarter than buying it at 63, just because it, you know, it proved that it took the top off there. Uh, but it's been in a trading range. Really, the pre-market action is, uh, you know, the high. I'm going to throw out the high. I'm going to throw out the low. And I'm just going to look right now. The only thing sticking out to me is 63. 
in the last couple brackets. Uh, you've bumped your head up against 63, so I think you have a seller there. Above 63, things open up a little bit on the dailies up to 63.83. But there's a battle going on in 63 here, and we're 70 cents away from it. Other big report from last night was uh, Baidu and Qualcomm too, I guess. But I want to talk Baidu first, stock that's been in the gutter. Starting to show some life. Again, we've been talking about the laggard trade and the laggards, the stocks that have been really out of favor in the last couple of years are the ones that are showing life. I mean, bring up a two-year chart on BIDU. Stock was 270 no, 200 Higher. $284. Look at all the consolidation around 100 bucks. I mean, we stopped going down. So if you wanted to get down and dirty in the Baidu, I guess you could have did it. I did not. Uh, but it's trading up another seven points here. It looks like I put it on a bottom. It looks like this was a bottom formation. So I think on, on pullbacks, I think you're going to find buyers in BIDU. Uh, it did this last on the last report. It popped and faded. I remember that. Uh, don't know if it's going to happen this time. Trading up $7.5. Trading up at the highs of the pre-market session. Uh, Pre-market high comes in at 116.20. So I'll be looking at that for more follow through. And then just looking on the dailies. Ooh, I see a couple highs in the 116. No, no, no. Get through 116. I'm looking for 119.26. Uh, and that was a high that you had back in July. So it looks good. I mean, it's holding on here at the highs of the pre-market session. Let's see if we could take that out and get closer to 120. Have no idea where to buy this thing on a pullback. The only thing with Baidu, I would, I would say, is the, the move today is not just the earnings report. It's also the China headline. So, so that helps a bit. But it was up 130. It was out 130. It's mostly the earnings report because we can isolate it because the earnings report came out after the bell and the China headline didn't come out till two in the morning. And Baidu was trading up at 113. So it got an extra buck or two. Right. Off the but China now, well. but 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 now that they're both headlines are out there, now you don't like, you know, like you don't know how much it would have moved without the earnings report. So a couple of bucks. Well, I, I just say you can kind of isolate it because that was, was $113 before. So it was $6 before the report. It went up another buck and a half or two bucks. Okay. I mean, you're looking, you know, EEM gives you a pretty good gauge on the Babas. I, I trade the EEM and the FXI sometimes against Alibaba and sometimes against Baidu as well. Baidu has just been terrible because the stock's been an underperformer. But, you know, typically Baba will move a little bit more than the EEM or the FXI, which is what we're seeing. The beta is a little bit higher. Baidu typically move a little bit lower. But Baidu also has just been a complete out of favor. It's been a dog. But the dogs are barking. We've been talking about this. The, dog, the, the laggard trade. And they know obviously value we've been talking about has been back on for the last month and a half. All right, right. Next, Qual Qualcomm. Qualcomm. Yep, Qualcomm here. The Q4 adjusted EPS, 78 cents for a 70 cent estimate sales, 4.8 versus 4.7 billion dollars. Q1 adjusted EPS guidance in line. Q1 sales guidance in line. I uh, just an excellent sale on this on my, my longer term account, and I never rebought it. And so a lot of times I get the timing right on the sale and I don't rebuy it and then I regret the sale. So I sold this back on, I believe, July the 5th, right at those highs. And I sold it right around $80. And the next week or two, it peeled down, you know, five and then obviously went all the way down to 67, so 13 points lower. Never rebought it. And now I look at it $89 and the sale wasn't that good. I guess that's why in the long-term account, just don't sell. Uh, Sean did talk about this one yesterday. This is uh, this one of his picks. 
Yeah, this is one of his picks. He thinks it's like 120 or 150 or something like that. But uh, anyways, uh, your initial spike took you up to 90.90. And now you got a little bit of a fade. You're two bucks off that level. I think people are even a little bit of sellers here at 90, up $4. So keep it on 90, the 90.90. And then, boom, you're getting in Oh, on the monthly. 88, oh, we took that out. 90.34. Uh, that was your monthly high in April. So there's a big level for you. It's only a buck 20 away. So I think uh, you get over the first 15 minutes, you get over 90, hold 90, and uh, the rally will continue. But right now, 90 is looking as a little bit of resistance here at Qualcomm. A lot of chips are trading up here this morning, probably helped by Qualcomm here as well. But if we're looking at NVIDIA, it's trading up, up another $3.50. I still have that in the long-term portfolio, AMD has just quietly come all the way back and now making new highs. Um, it gave you an opportunity, gave you a few opportunities down there to buy it on the pullback. And we even did a setup for you back when the stock was $29 saying, if you're gonna buy this, um, you just gotta stop out at the low at 27, uh, which was the low of the move, 27.43. And I mean, now you're looking at it and it's up, you know, seven, $8 from where we put that setup on. So wish I would have followed my own uh, setup there on that one, I did not. <laughs> Intel's come back. I mean, the big dog, and that was another one I sold out of the portfolio, which I wouldn't have, but But there's just so many of these chip stocks that have just performed well here in the last little while. I mean, Western Digital is disappointing on the earnings. Um, you know, is that one eventually come back? Maybe. Seagate's held up quite well. Micron's held up a struggle at 50 for a long time. We just did them all. Fly Materials, RCX, those always trade together, and those have both been strong as well. Oh, look at Seagate building a roof right here. Let's see if yeah. you can blow through the top of that roof. My. 50, oh, pair of highs at 58.19. Oh, man, someone just wants to sell stock at 58 here. Currently trading 57.04. So it's going to trade through 58 this morning. It's going to trade. Okay. I would think so. 16 cents, you know, is nothing. So you'll be under and chips are hot. I think you're going to push through at least, you know, to those highs, the 5820 area. 57.84 is where it's trading. Yeah, it's getting well, a running start at, at it today. There's no, there's no trades this morning. So it's okay. going to it's gonna trade with fair value. It'll trade probably up and get a running start. I think it can blast off through those highs today. We're getting a running start at it, yep. right? A lot yep. of times that we talk about uh, the, yep. those kind of setups. Uh, you know, the volume's got to go somewhere, right? There's got to be buyers. There's got to be sellers. And early in the session here, you're getting a running head start into 58 here. In Seagate, S&P's 88 and a quarter, up 1275. Just kind of hanging out here in the upper 3080 handle, uh, well above that all-time closing high. Uh, we had that at Monday at 75.75, yesterday's close. 75 and a half. Um, anything? 200 stocks reporting today. If there's a specific company that you want to talk about, please let us know because we can't possibly get through 200 stocks. Um, I just had one more main one on my list, and that was Win Resorts because it was wild on the report as well. I mean, you can talk about a laggard trade too, and Win Resorts um, is benefiting from the laggard trade as well. I mean, this thing was in the gutter a month ago, and the value stocks came back into play and back in favor. And Win Resorts just quietly has went from 105 up to $127 over the course of last month. It's a huge move, 20% move in three and a half weeks. So again, because cheap casino stocks uh, came back, came into favor too. Yeah, I, I don't know if that if this win earnings number is comparable. Seventeen cents was their EPS. Uh, sales missed slightly, one point six four versus one point six seven billion dollars. I don't know if there was, or I did not see at least an EPS estimate there. 
Stock got hit. Stock was, you know, then again, because, and you think about this, you know, as much as the Momo stocks, when they rally, they kind of, you know, seem to be sells on the rips off the earnings reports. The value stocks are buys on the dips on the earnings reports. And this thing dipped off the initial number and the dip was bought immediately. So again, money managers are just using the opportunity to get more money into value when these things dip. So you see those value stocks dipping. They are off, unless they're really disasters, and we can talk about disaster being fossil here today, FOSL. But you know, unless they're a complete disaster, these dips are getting bought in the value stocks. Uh, Bell the rips in the growth, buy the dips in the value. That's working right now. It's kind of quiet here uh, in, uh, now, yeah. in win. Yeah. Just uh, some price discovery going on here. We um, I like 127 here. That's the key to much higher prices for that. Yesterday's high, 2710. Another high from Monday at 2704. So there, there, there's your area. You did. Did you sneak through it on that rip? Yeah, I think you did. You did get to almost 129. But uh, let's see what happens at uh, 127 here in Wynn Resorts. W-Y-N-N. Las Vegas Sands always trades off of it. Um, Las Vegas Sands had a pretty good run in the last month, too. And so is MGM. So there's a two-peer place for you on the Wynn Resorts numbers. Ralph Lauren is ripping this morning on its report as well. It's up almost 10%. RL trading up at 109.72 here right now. Spencer Israel, how'd they do? I'm sorry, I was distracted by the chat. I didn't hear what you said. Someone Ralph just, Lauren, RL. Okay, someone just said they're having surgery tomorrow, and they're putting Benzinga on in the prep room. So, so good, luck really? with, good luck with that surgery. Uh, good luck. Uh, what kind of surgery? I, I don't know. I was, uh, that's what I said. I was distracted. Uh, cool. I, I, I don't know. Uh, Ralph Somebody Lauren, had him on the dentist office. We got us in the surgery. <laughs> I think that's the now. same guy. What chat are you talking about? I, I'm, in, I'm in the YouTube chat right now. Maybe uh, not. We got somebody. I, I, I'm in both, but I was looking at that one. So Ralph Lauren. Listen to Benzinga pre-market prep while you're getting open heart surgery. I like that. Don't do that. Uh, uh, Ralph, I don't know if it's open heart surgery. Ralph Lauren missed on their EPS and beat on their sales estimates. So uh, a mixed report here. Not mixed because this is a value stock too and the stock trading up on it. So 2.5% dividend. They like these stocks. They're all back in favor and they are buying this one up too. I mean, now if you're buying a 110, now you're chasing it. So I can't do that. But some some of these stocks. What do you mean? Dennis's before. stock was 180 and change. I'm not sure. Oh. I don't chase anything up 10 bucks. 10 bucks seems like a 10% one day. It seems right, like right, 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 right. I'm just looking at it from a, you know, looking at. I like buying time. other people's profits. Uh, let's see here. One eleven oh six. That's only a buck fifty away. Not, nothing wrong with us using that as a target. Uh, the monthlies don't give you much to one seventeen ninety eight. I don't think we'll see that. So you'll have to drill down in your dailies here and see what we have. One oh nine, one ten. I see a high over one ten here. Juicy target today if you're holding out. And this thing can do anything. I've seen this. This thing up and down five, 10 bucks, but uh, you did have a high on July 30th at 115. So if you're looking for another target here uh, in uh, Ralph Lauren, there it is. I don't know, buying this thing on a pullback. I have absolutely no idea where to buy this on a pullback. You just, uh, I'd just say under 109, it's been the low of the last two brackets. I think I'd be a little bit worried on the long side here if it takes out 109. But that's a loose number. That's nothing. It's nothing I'm going to hang my hat on. All right. It's 835. I want to bring on our guest for the day, David Trader. He is the uh, founder, founder and CEO. Are we doing that now for guests? Okay. He's the founder and CEO. We do it for of- everything. 
of new (laughs) okay he's the founder and ceo of new constructs david good morning good morning so david uh very interesting uh research that was just done citing uh i guess your data uh this research was done by uh harvard business school and and mit uh basically analyzing i guess you could say analyzing the accuracy of earnings reports explain exactly what what the takeaway is here yeah, you know, we, we live in an age where very few people are, have the time to go through K's and Q's. And uh, what the Harvard Business School and MIT Sloan professors have found is that markets are effectively inefficiently analyzing earnings because too few people are reading footnotes and there's a lot of noise in earnings that if investors are able to understand can give them an advantage. Effectively, you can arbitrage those who don't have the real numbers and We've developed technology to go and get those real numbers that are buried deep in these 200 to 250 page filings. I like this. How do I get my hands on this? Uh, tech, how, how do I get my hands on your research here? It's simple. You just go to our website. You know, I feel, I feel dorky saying, hey, go to a website. But yeah, no, newconstructs.com. We've been doing this kind of work for over 17 years. We're sort of a throwback value investor uh, type of research firm, except that we've developed technology to do value investing the right way. I think a lot of people think about value and they think about these traditional accounting ratios like price to book and price to earnings or earnings yield. And the bottom line is that these accounting metrics were never really designed for investing. They're highly manipulated. They're incomplete. And really value investing was about reading the entire annual report, right? Like Warren Buffett talks about all the time. And Uh, The problem with that process is that it's become too long and too cumbersome. And so technology is now effectively providing a, you know, a value investing 2.0. You can get the analytical rigor you need to make smarter decisions to protect your portfolio without having to do all the work that you used to have to do. This is good because I tell you, and I've said this for a while, there's a lot of money to be made in news interpretation. And, you know, the algos can easily read, you know, a headline number and they rip it up because, oh, they beat on the bottom line or they beat on the top line. But then you see a lot of times and they're not, you know, these, these moves get faded, you know, when the real money comes in. And, you know, maybe it's people like you guys that are sitting there and analyzing the details. I mean, the devil's always in the details and saying, hey, you know, this stock shouldn't be trading up 10 points on this because we can kind of analyze that these numbers aren't as good as the headline shows. So, I mean, there's opportunity here to dive down and do, do some good research. And if you're going to do that research for me, I mean, that's great. No, that's the idea. Exactly. You know, so when we, when we met the guys at Harvard Business School, we helped them solve a problem. That's what they came to us with. They said, hey, we got a problem. Nobody wants to take my class because people don't think reading footnotes and understanding fundamentals matters anymore. And I said, well, they're right. Uh, for the most part, it doesn't. It's become too expensive. But what if I told you you could get the good stuff for free? or for cheap. And he said, well, that makes a difference. And, and you're right, Spencer, I do believe there are people who are effectively preying on the overreaction to noisy numbers all the time. I think a lot of what's, what the big Wall Street insiders and players do is exactly that. And uh, you know, we're all about democratizing access to this information because we think it makes the markets more efficient. All right. So elephant in the room, we're obviously guilty of this on our show. We, we, we look at the headline numbers, the earnings per share, the EPS, maybe some comps or whatever, and then we kind of move on with our, with our analysis. So what, what, what should we be looking at, really? You want to look at the core earnings number. So if, what the paper shows is that there are a lot of disclosures that um, make it into earnings or the core earnings number even 
So even the adjusted numbers like a street earnings or a copy stats core earnings or an IBIS core earnings, these numbers are shown to have, you know, up to 22% of their number is noise or unusual items. And the study actually shows that, you know, all these adjustments that they, that they try to make, they're still missing 50 to 60% of what we catch. And so um, you want to look at the real number, not the one with noise in it. And there's no sort of shortcut to do that except to use research like ours or technology like ours to go through and comb through thousands of pages of filings and pull these things out, correctly categorize them, and all that. This kind of goes into a, a debate we were having. We haven't had it for a while, though, but it's you know, the, the debate of gap versus non-gap, and you're essentially answering, ending that debate for us. Yeah, I'm telling you, listen, non-gap is worse than gap, right? Um, non-gap tends to be the number the company makes up to say whatever they want the profit to be. I mean, non-gap, honestly, I've been, doing, I've, been, I've been on Wall Street and doing this work since well before the tech bubble, and the, the creation of non-gap was sort of like, wow, people are really going to fall for that? But then again, I, I was at uh, Credit Suisse during the tech bubble, so you know, people, I saw people fall for a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, non-gap is, non -gap is, 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 um, is really misleading. I really, I really highly recommend people avoid looking at that number. The only reason it's popular is because companies in Wall Street have convinced everyone to focus on that number. Uh, and so I, you know, I would say focus on our numbers. Long term, that's what the Harvard Business School case study shows is that you can generate 10% abnormal returns in a long short portfolio if you're long the companies that are understating their earnings and short the companies that overstate. So these adjustments that we're pulling out of the footnotes, these needles in the haystack that no one else sees are meaningful and material to trading and investing success. So what specific footnotes, like just give us an example when you're pulling something out of a footnote, you know, what is there like some red flags that you're looking for? Like some stuff that stands out. I'm not trying to say give up all your secret sauce here, but no, no, is no. there something we should look for? Yeah, no. I, and, and listen, Spencer, I'm happy to share a ton of this stuff because listen, there isn't sort of like some little secret I could give away in the next 10 seconds or maybe even the next 10 hours. It's the product of a lot of grueling hard work of going through filings and marking them up to identify a wide variety of red flag words, but you're right, it's kind of like a red flag. Like, so loss on the obsolescence of inventory, gain on the sale of, on the disposal of assets. Um, those are the kinds of things that we're pulling out. Um, you know, a, an accelerated depreciation of a building. Um, those are the kinds of things that can make earnings look better or worse. And, and depending on what management needs, they're going to decide to incur some of those disclosures at particular times. That's another thing that the paper shows is that there's significant bias uh, by managers in when these items are disclosed. And so the takeaway is we have for the first time ever empirical proof that managers are manipulating earnings. We've always you know, heard about it, talked about it, like, oh yeah, you know, we know that there's accounting loopholes that they can take advantage of, but we couldn't show bias before. Well, the study has shown based on the frequency of these unusual items disclosures that there's definitely a clustering of these disclosures around companies that are barely meeting or beating. And so it's pretty clear that there's a, a statistical correlation between using a lot of these unusual items disclosures to help you make sure you meet or beat that number. We're getting a few questions from our chat here, uh, David. I want to ask you some, some good questions here. I don't know if you even know the answer to this, but why isn't there only one type of earnings report? Shouldn't there be just one type of earnings reporting and, that, and that, that's it? 
I mean, you know, that's, that's a terrific question, right? I mean, that's really gets to the heart of, of why do we even have this problem? Why do we need footnotes? Why do we need to do research on this stuff? And, you know, look, there's a couple answers to that question. One is, quite frankly, look, a lot of people, executives in Wall Street, make a lot of money selling stock. You guys know what the underwriting fees were for Uber and Lyft combined? The underwriting fees, like for the IPO, the day of, what did Wall Street make in just underwriting fees? A lot. I don't know, but a lot. It's like over, over 100 million, right? That's a pretty good payoff for selling a few IPO shares, right? Uh, so, look, there's, uh, for the folks who are in the know, insiders, there's a lot of incentive to muddy the waters, right? Why you want to talk about the truth if um, it gets in the way of selling more stock? And look, we know, look at WeWork as a great example, right? Three weeks ago, uh, you know, the, the, the P, the private equity firms were trying to sell that to us for 47 billion. And now they're saying it's worth what? 7 billion, right? That's crazy. Right, obviously there was a little bit of, you know, shell game going there. <laughs> hey, I'll sell it to you for 47 billion, but I only buy it for seven. I mean, and that was in the span of just a few weeks. So that's just an example of why they don't want investors in general knowing the real numbers. Uh, and, and the second answer, second part of that answer is that accounting data is, is really pretty complex. I spent five years working with the Financial Accounting Standards Board on their Investor Advisory Committee. I've been doing this work in, in accounting for close to 20 years now. And look, it's complicated. And in a lot of, in a lot of cases, you know, accounting data, people misunderstand as being sort of the data you need to understand profits. It's not. Think of accounting data as pieces of the puzzle and finance is the puzzle, putting all that data together in a way that it makes sense, right? There's a big difference there. And so um, people don't realize that the data that they're being presented with is as bad as it is. And so you, you do need some level of research. And to, to be quite frank, I went to the SEC during the financial crisis and said, listen, we should have a sort of one number that captures everything. And if that one number could be completely transparent and auditable, and even editable, right, at least you're doing the American public a favor by giving them the number that captures everything, as opposed to the numbers that companies are presenting, whether it's gap earnings or pro forma, which focus on putting their best foot forward. So David, bottom line here, uh, and this again is a question from our chat, but is it possible to trade directionally off these reports? Off of which reports? Off, off, reports? off of earnings? Yeah, off of yours or yeah, off of yours. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we've got an earnings distortion court scorecard that we publish and, and we tweet about daily. We should have a tweet coming out any minute now on at new constructs um, on Twitter saying, hey, this is the one stock we're predicting today that's going to meet or, 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 or I mean, beat or miss uh, based on the amount of distortion in their numbers. And, um, and that's that's a big part of why we're really focusing here on, on a broader audience. We've had a large institutional following for a while, but we, we want to democratize access to this information because again, we think it makes markets more efficient. And we think, we think the public deserves it. You know, we think that it's time to give your, your average investor, the same high quality information that we know the insiders have been using for a long time. Overall, I mean, just looking, you know, at the earnings and the companies that do gap and non-gap, I mean, just overall, I mean, just does it make you have like a bearish slant on the market because I think a lot of people are cooking the books or do you just lean, you know, just like what's your feel? Like, you know, 
are more people cooking the books than than people think? And this is a big, uh, you know, this rally is just made of nothing or, you know, or the opposite. I'm just trying to get a general feel because I, I kind of feel like you're a little bearish, but I guess maybe it would be more individual stocks and companies than the overall market. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we, we've done some um, really interesting analysis where we look at the overall market in terms of the uh, real economic earnings versus gap earnings. And, and the disconnect has been widening for a long time. The earnings recovery that people talked about a couple of years ago was an illusion. Uh, when you strip out unusual items and, and balance sheet growth in particular, we found that earnings aren't, aren't growing and haven't been. Um, and the economic earnings are actually going down. So we're sort of seeing this, you know, County earnings and economic earnings. And we've seen that for a while. And, you know, but it's not as bad as we saw like back in the tech bubble. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's any comfort. <laughs> that's uh, and, and what we found though is that, is that we're seeing more micro bubbles than we are sort of an overall stock market bubble because there are a lot of big profitable companies with huge market caps, Microsoft, Apple, Google, some of these FANG stocks are for real. Like they're like, these are really great businesses. There may be some regulatory risks there, but there's an enormous amount of cash flow and the, and the valuations are actually very reasonable. However, there are other stocks that we put in what we call the micro bubble. And we've done a couple of reports. You can find those on our website. Just search micro bubble on the research section. And we identify them uh, as these stocks that, especially when juxtaposed other stocks, like just say Disney versus Netflix, right? And I know a lot of people love Netflix, but the economics of that business, no matter what they're telling you, it are really, really horrible. And what you see when you look at sort of a Netflix versus Disney is really interesting because you got Disney's profits, cash flows, right? Over the last several years, it's like averaging 20 billion a year. Netflix losing five or 6 billion a year. So a big gap, boom. And then when you look at the cash flows required to justify the stock price, Disney's cash flows are like, ah, just gotta go up a little bit. Netflix has gotta go whoosh. <laughs> right? That's what's priced in. And part of what we do in this more detailed analysis of, of cash flow is also look at the required cash flow to justify stock prices. So you get a sense of what is Mr. Market already betting on? And what is this current stock price telling us that the company has to do to justify the price? And so we like to identify disconnects between real cash flows and markets expected cash flows. And so that's that speaks to the micro bubble. We, we, we identified a bunch of stocks that definitely look bubbly when you look at them through that lens. Uh, David, we're getting a question from our chat here uh, about Tesla specifically. I don't know if you have an opinion on that, but do you, do you set your sights on specific stocks or can I use the, uh, the research and the data to, to look at specific reports from companies? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we've written extensively on, on Tesla for a while. Uh, it's a micro bubble stock as well. When you look at Tesla, sort of compared to GM, you have the same kind of dynamic as Disney versus Netflix. GM's making a ton of money, and actually the, the GM stock price implies its profits will decline in the future, and, it's, uh, and the stock price for Tesla implies its profits are going to like shoot the moon, like something like 30% compounded annual profit growth with margins going from, I think they just eked out to positive, but something like 8 or 9%, which is two or three times higher than any other major car manufacturer. So it's, it's ridiculous. Um, yes, no, we cover individual stocks, we cover ETFs, we cover mutual funds, all the through the fundamental lens, right? And we're not here to say that fundamentals should be 100% of your process, but it shouldn't be zero either. 
If you've got a lot of great technical information, why not add a fundamental overlay and take the best of both worlds? All right, David, you've definitely given us a lot to think about here. I, I can't promise that I'm not going to look at the headline, you know, EPS and revenue numbers ever again, but I will take a closer look at these reports and I'm going to check out your research. Again, it's newconstructs.com. His name is David Trainer. He's the founder and CEO of that company. You can see the research from uh, Harvard and MIT there. David, thank you so much for the time today. You've definitely given us some, something to think about, again, some great feedback from our chat here on this info. So thanks so much. And thanks you guys. I, I really enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, David. All right. D D Dennis, you like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is what I talk about on the show all the time. You know, I talk about these earnings overshoots and, you know, looking in and I, I feel like I make a lot of money and obviously I don't have the expertise, you know, that David does and, you know, the research, you know, tools that he does, but, you know, just looking at simple metrics and, you know, and sometimes just common sense. I mean, he did the Netflix and Disney comparison. I can remember on the show, and this is probably a year or two ago when Netflix was just taking off and blasting off. And I can remember talking about this on the show. This is talking about, so if I go to the charts, you can date it because this was probably back in like April, 2018 when Netflix was $420 and Disney was trading at like a hundred. At that time, Netflix's market cap was more than Disney. And I was like, how does this make any sense? Because first of all, nobody produces content like Disney. And you've got the parks, you've got everything. I mean, how does it make any sense to pay more for a company of Netflix than you pay for Disney, which has been around for 60 years and 70 years and produces all the best content, you know, I think in the world. And then the parks on top of it all and the cash flows of all that. It didn't make any sense at all. And if you look at it from that time, sometimes just common sense rules the day. Um, you look at Netflix, $423 back in 2018. Disney was 100 bucks. Now Netflix is 280, it's dropped 150 points, and Disney is trading 130, it's up. So Netflix has fallen by 40%, Disney's up 30%. So sometimes just sitting back and saying, does this make sense, you know, is the way you can make money. So, I mean, and obviously he's digging into details of, you know, in the earnings reports and stuff, but there's a lot of money just made with logic as well. And sometimes you just got to sit back and say, does this make sense? At least in the long term, the short term, it's all, you know, everything's just, you know, irrational for the most part. People are just playing on momentum, you know, on feel, on stories. But in the long run, fundamentals and analysis matter. So when you're putting your long-term invest portfolio, if you're buying Netflix back in 2018 at $400 thinking this is taking over the whole world, you're not reading the tea leaves. And you knew competition. We talked about competition. We talked about competition for three, four years on Netflix. You knew eventually it was going to come. And it's not surprising the stock tops out after that. I still believe the Netflix is going under $200 a share. So I'm still going to remain bearish it. I mean, I don't know the path to get there. Obviously, you know, I've been making this call since 330. So I'm up in the stock and, you know, and longer than that because I've been bearish for a long time. Maybe wrong, maybe bearish too early. But I mean, in the long run, you know, it, fundamentals do matter. There we go. Yeah. I mean, the takeaway here is just do do your research. That's the, that's it. That's the bottom line. Look at the report. Don't just trust us. Reading. Use your head too. I mean, right. you're a, you have a huge advantage over the algorithms. The algorithms cannot think. At least they can't yet. You know, once they can start thinking and doing and making decisions for themselves, we're full Terminator and nothing's going to matter anyways. But I mean, they're not at that stage yet. You know, they they do what they're programmed to do. So yes, you know, Watson, you know, IBM can beat the Jeopardy champion stuff, but it was programmed to beat Jeopardy. I mean, there is computers and obviously, you know, that are very sophisticated and do a lot of things, but they're still not at the point where they're as smart as a human being. 
and you trading can you know use your analysis and you can you know figure stuff out and you can figure out new edges that the uh, that the people who are programming the algorithms haven't even identified yet and that's what i talk about you know these new relationships that suddenly develop you know like a shopify roku and, and obviously that relationship's broken down now but in the in, in the short run you know a month and a half ago those two stocks were trading step for step they're nothing to do with each other but it doesn't matter because they, they're starting to move because they're both Momo names. And, you know, this whole relationship, Momo versus value, I mean, identifying those trends can make you a lot of money because the algos are just saying, oh, stock's ripping, we're buying it. Stock's got a decent report, we're buying it. Well, they didn't account for the fact that Momo was out of favor here right now. Maybe some of the algorithms didn't. And that's why they're paying up for it. Or the value stocks, you know, getting hit really hard because the report was just okay. Well, then it turns around and it's up the next day because they didn't account for the fact that value is back in the favor. There's so many variables and you as a human being can juggle those very quickly. An algorithm can only juggle what it is programmed to juggle. All right, let's go back to some stocks here. Uh, great point in our pre-market prep chat. Uh, these guys are on the ball. Singles Day is coming up. Uh, Alibaba, China Singles Day is Monday. We know Alibaba tends to run up ahead yeah, it was day. It's their big one-day sale. I forgot all about it. Great point. I apologize. I forget who it was, but great point to whoever brought that up. Baba is typically hot leading up to Singles Day. It's already been running too. So have some of this, you know, run up been with Singles Day. I mean, you can back it out. You look at the EM. That's usually the best thing or the FXI. Well, FXI and EM have been running up too. So all China has been hot. Has Baba been more hot? Not really. Maybe there is a little bit of access that could be made here. I mean, it's already up $2 today, but maybe on a pullback. You think about that. I love those trades. You know, they seem so ridiculously simple that people can't believe that you can make money off of that. But, you know, how many times do we see, you know, guests go on CNBC and the stock runs up ahead of that guest going to be on CNBC? Or how many times do we see, you know, an Apple event? that Apple runs up ahead of the Apple event. Bob is the same thing. It typically runs up against singles day. That's why I like to trade market neutral. I would hedge that risk away by probably shorting the EEM against it, but saying there's some positive alpha to extract from that event. So the way I would set it up is potentially buy Baba, maybe short EEM against it. And if you do get that, you know, sell off in China overall, the EEM will hopefully make up for it. Remember beta hedge too. Baba's about 1.5, so I have to do a little bit more, but that's what market neutral is all about. It's trying to extract the efficiency and eliminate the market risk <clears throat> all right uh 858 here a couple more minutes uh, balances here um just quickly disney ninety six thousand to buy it's not a coincidence that disney is trading up more than the market here today fox helps also helps that uh they were pumping the tires a little bit on cnbc fast money but the biggest thing is these stocks typically run ahead of the earnings reports. And earnings that is what we could potentially see here this morning. Disney reports tonight. So I'd expect a little bit of relative strength ahead of that report for the only reason is that it reports tonight. McDonald's 56000 to buy. Joel's just going to barely win that bet by the skin of his teeth, and the stock is on its rebound. I think the low in McDonald's is in. I'd be a buyer of pullbacks on that. I was obviously too early. I'm still not in it, but on paper I was. Nike, um, 53000 to buy. They're all pretty much buy balance. General Electric, our friend always has a selling balance. So sorry, Christian Fromhurst. I know you listen to the show and you've been saying, well, gee, you had a buy balance a couple of days. I was talking about, well, they seem to be gone now again. It's now new sell balances again. For two years, gee, every morning seems to have a selling balance. 153,000 to sell. Some institution just dumps 200,000 shares every single morning. They must have had a bazillion shares to sell. Uh, real quick, uh, Fossil uh, getting destroyed today here. Uh, must be a bad report. 
Yeah. If you're a bad report and a bad report, it doesn't matter if you're a value stock, growth stock, it doesn't matter. When the report sucks, you're going to lose. I mean, you're looking at this thing and it lost 51 cents compared to the analysts. They're supposed to make nine cents. They lost 51 Whew. cents. The sales were 539 million versus 553 million. This is a disaster no matter how you want to cut it up. There's no doubt that the stock was going to go down. I don't care if it's a value growth or you know whatever it is, it's going down on this report. And uh, we didn't talk. We haven't talked uh, much about analyst ratings this week uh, with all the earnings and value talk. But uh, Twitter, Twitter catches a downgrade today. Yeah, that's from Evercore to underperform. Okay, is this? We've seen this multiple times. Could this potentially mark a bottom in Twitter? Potentially twenty-eight. So set up a trade here. There's a huge level for you, and it's not far away. Twenty-eight eighty-four. If you want to say this could pull a Grubhub and the downgrade can mark the bottom, sometimes they do. Sometimes these things, you know, for whatever reason, they get downgraded and then they turn around on that downgrade. Probably because there's some guys that are saying, okay, I got to throw in the towel here now. I need to be out. Now Evercore is going out to sell on this thing. I got to get the hell out of this. So I would say if you want to buy it, I don't mind it. You got to stop out. You got to give it some wiggle room. You can't go 2884 and say, oh, it's 2880. I'm getting the hell out. Go like twenty eight fifty. So give yourself, you know, sixty cents. You buy it here, you risk two percent, and saying, I think, you know, this could have bottomed. There's a trade setup there. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but I'm saying there's the potential. You know, I like sometimes buying stocks on downgrades when they've been in long downturn trends because, if they, they especially just, if they end up green. I mean, you can even yeah, they end up the green. End it's the really day. good. The Grubhub was a great, you know, example. I mean, at eight downgrades that one day, that was the bottom. So could this mark the bottom? Maybe, but the sentiment isn't really that bearish on Twitter there either. So I don't know if it's that you know, slam dunk that this is going to be the bottom. I, I'm not sure about that. So that's why I'm probably not playing it, but I can't argue if you want to try it. If you try any trade, just know where your out is. Below 28.50, I don't want to own it. All right, wrap it up. S&P's kind of quiet session here during our, our pre-market prep show. Uh, still up 10.75 here at 86 and a quarter. I guess I would try. I don't want to buy it up here, but maybe if we pulled into mid-range here at uh, 30.81.50, there's your potential support. Uh, it spiked up to 92.50, so I think that's going to be your resistance the first time up. And I don't know, not too early to start talking about 3,100, I guess, uh, only 14 handles away. Spencer, you want to wrap things up and uh, preview the final show of the Right, and before I do that, I want to remind everyone, the biggest event of the month in November, and it's not Thanksgiving, it's not Singles Day, it's the Benzinga Global Fintech Awards, November 19th in New York City. I'll repeat the promo code. I don't, I don't know if anyone did it. Top of the show, the first two people. To Someone go- better do it. Someone better do it. I'm going to go do it, get free tickets. Oh, Dennis, you can't. Fintech oh, I already get free tickets. Come on. Someone do it. Fintech Who's in the New York area in free? Come on. Everything's free. No, but serious. Okay, I'm going to throw a pitch on this too because, oh. you know, here we are. Joel and I have been asked to join us in Fintech Awards. We're going to be in a separate, separate room. Is that right? Yeah. I think we're doing a separate side room for the morning part of it because the FinTech Awards don't start till 11. So we're going to do this the show from eight to nine, and then we're going to stick around for two hours, two and a half hours. And, you know, obviously take some Q and A from people, but we're going to also do some educational stuff. So, I mean, you know, this you know, is it's ridiculous. Dennis, people can't get free in. Is so. Free I mean, it's unbelievable. We give away too much for free. Yeah, the people can't get it. Uh, the pre pre market show or the pre market show, people are not going to be able to get into. I think uh, I think because we have a lot to do to get set up for right. the event. So I think well, they won't be able to watch the pre market. No, 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 no. You won't be. But there's more. Like they're saying, there's more 
uh, educational stuff happening after the show. So the show is going to be live from the venue, and then once we open the doors, Dennis and Joel have, I think, about three hours of stuff planned, maybe give or take a few they minutes. They said 345-minute presentation, okay. so that's like well, five hours for me. Okay. So I always go over. Dennis is oh. going to talk the entire time. <laughs> yeah, talking to I was going to talk, too. Uh, again, fintechawards.com. The promo code I was given from the, from the big guy up top was RAZVIP, R-A-Z-V-I-P. That's two, That's the first two people get free tickets. So uh, – there we go, fintechawards.com, November 19th. And, and we know a lot of you are in New York anyway. So Can uh, you post that link? Because, you know, it's hard for people to just type yes, it in. Post it I in will, both chats. I will post here. I tweeted out yesterday. If you go to my Twitter account, I also posted a link for it. I'm going to start promoting this a little bit more there too because I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to go and look at 10 people in the audience. It was a nice turnout. We had 150 people show up, you know, for in our, I believe it was 150 people in our room um, or at least 150 tickets sold. I'm not sure everybody showed up, but there was a, at least 100 people. There was a ton of people in there. I don't like to talk, go out, fly to New York and talk to five people. So we need, obviously, a lot of people to talk to in the side room. So I'm hoping, you know, free. Oh, that's ridiculous. But I mean, all right, well, what's free? Not everything is free here. I'm, I'm, I'm posting the second link in the chats that gets you that that's a different promo code gets 20% off. So uh, there we go. Uh, we'll talk about this more in the days ahead, uh, but fintechawards.com. Uh, thanks to our guest today. Loved it. David Trainer. That was some great stuff from him. Made me really rethink how I think about earnings reports. Uh, thank you very much to David. Thanks to everyone in our chat, both chats, the one on YouTube and the one on Benzinga.com or uh, premarket.benzinga.com. Catch our podcast, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or rewatch our show on YouTube. And please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only and not for investing or trading advice. Everyone, that's it for us. Have a great rest of your Thursday. It has stopped snowing here, finally, in Detroit. We'll be back with you on Friday.